Chapter 13. After. I can't stop playing that word over and over in my head. My eyes dart everywhere and nowhere as I scan. Sam flicks on a flashlight, lifts the lid of the dumpster, and hoists up onto the side to check the interior contents. The stench of layers and layers of garbage in varying states of decay meets my nose. My stomach lurches. If I had anything substantial in there, it would be all over the asphalt. The putrid smell lingers long after Sam's closed the dumpster and moved on to sweep shafts of white light into windshields. My eyes have adjusted to the dark by now. I can see the frustration on his face in the shadows when he stands behind each car trunk. I can read his motivation. He wants to crack every single one open but can't chance an alarm going off. That would alert people, have others around the scene he's inspecting, and he needs time. He needs to check. For Dean's body. My throat can't even swallow at this point. My vocal cords have frozen in place like every single muscle under my skin. I have no idea how much time has passed, but it's enough for Sam to have covered the entire area behind the center and diner. Winner. He motions some yards away. The gesture is easy to identify. He wants me to follow him back to our cars on Main Street. But I can't. I can't move. More frustration lines that expansive forehead of the younger Winchester. Suddenly, he's in front of me and grabs my biceps. I imagine him carting me off under his arm like a life-size cardboard cutout, a feat that I believe he's totally capable of doing with little effort. Winner, he takes a deep breath. We're going to find him, okay? We can't do that here. We can't stay here. Something unhinges in me deep inside. Thawing, I nod. Sam, what if... Sam shakes his head. He's not entertaining whatever it is I'm about to come up with. Come on, let's go. He tucks an arm around my waist and drags me, almost lifts me off the ground until I'm able to put one foot in front of the other. I can eventually walk on my own alongside. Snapshots of moments in real time fill my head for a minute or two. I end up in a booth in the hometown diner with Sam sitting opposite. The movie reel begins to spin and catches up. The celluloid film flickers and bounces, and then Sam's voice sinks with the video playing before me. He orders us two coffees and waits, until we're alone to acknowledge my presence. I need you to try and tell me if there's anything that stood out back at the center. Staff. Clients. He tips his wrist to look at his watch. We've got 15 minutes before they close for the night. I tilt my head to the left and stare out the window. He picked a booth close to the intersection. His head bobbles with nervous energy, scoping one street side and then the other. My hands clasp tight in my lap. It's the only way I can keep them from shaking. I... I don't know. His jaw steals tight. Nostrils flare. He waits. Quiet. I realize how often he's the calm before the eventual storm that is his brother. I close my eyes and focus on my breathing. I remind myself that Dean believed I could handle this. That I could be a help, not a hindrance. And anything I remember might turn out to be a lead. Jerry had only been working there a few months. Dean didn't think he was in on anything. Sam nods. Bonnie was Mary's coach. 
And Ryan, Ryan knew that. He'd been around for a while. Sam nods faster and pulls out his phone. Good. That gives us somewhere to start. I got a text from Dean earlier that he would get the name of the boss so I could do some research back at the bunker, which you said you heard was a Laura Sullivan? I nod. Two coffee cups land in front of us, courtesy of our waitress. The pores of black liquid are long and drawn out. It's torture as we wait to continue. We're asked if we've seen anything on the menu that we like. We both shake our head. Sam mentions that'll be all, and if we could have the check now, that would be great. The tear of paper is loud and echoes in my brain until we're alone again. My rapid pulse overpowers my ability to hear Sam's mumbling. What? I ask. Dean would kill me for what I'm going to suggest right now. He repeats. I can feel my eyes widen. We've got two possible leads and two cars that can tail them. He states in a matter-of-fact tone. If you think you can handle it. My brain stutters at what he's asking. Whoever's got him, he's still breathing more than likely. Or they're moving him somewhere else for whatever. Probably to feed. Even if they want him out of the way, they're not going to pass up on a meal. I nod like I'm sitting in on a lecture. I keep nodding, because if I stop to process what Sam's inferring may happen to Dean. We'll head back to the Impala. He continues to rattle off his plan. I'll get you a weapon just in case. A machete. He's going to give me a fucking machete. In case I need to try and lop a vampire's head off. Who do you want to follow? Bonnie? I whisper. Sam nods. All right. He points to my cup. Drink up. We got work to do. Would I love to be a total badass that could swoop in and save the day? Protect everyone I care about with an expertly choreographed fight scene? Swing a machete through the air in total silence? Slice through tendons and bones using sharpened silver with the same ease as I slice through parchment with a paper cutter? Of course. In my dreams, my 46-year-old ass is as lithe and perky as an ethereal ballerina with the mad skills of a ninja warrior thrown in for good measure. I would love to, on occasion, be the hero, be the one to rescue and right the wrongs. But I'm not Sam, or Dean, nowhere close. And even Dean, the hero of my story, isn't invulnerable. Even he can go missing. And any leads Sam thought my tailing Bonnie might turn up have proved a waste of time. I had pulled my jeep around the corner, parked away from the spotlight of street lamps, and waited for Bonnie to exit the scale warrior's back lot. Heeding Sam's suggestion, I kept a good block or so distance between our cars. Lucky for me, Bonnie wasn't a speedster. And even luckier, she only lived about 15 minutes away from her place of work. Sam kept me on speakerphone the entire time for both our drives. He didn't say much. Checked in every few minutes, kept me calm, and relayed his status following Ryan. I coasted past the driveway Bonnie had turned into and parked in front of the next house. I killed the engine and sat in the dark. An angling of the rearview mirror assisted in my spy detail. The trunk of Bonnie's SUV popped open for anyone streetside who wanted to take a gander. A floodlight washed the scene in bright white, 
when she hopped out of the driver's side. A teenage girl came out the front door and helped Bonnie with random shopping bags. The apparent offspring chatted enthusiastically about something, and they both disappeared back into the house the way she'd come. After my rolling commentary, I waited another ten minutes as Sam requested, but nothing. No sign of anything amiss. No Dean. Sam's simultaneous tale had started with Ryan going through a fast food drive through and ended in an apartment complex. Ready to head in, Ryan opened the trunk of his compact while a neighbor sidled up and chatted. A large workout bag was the only thing he fished out. The young woman didn't seem phased by anything in the car. Another lead that ran dry. No Dean. Sam huffs after matching futile results on both ends. He needs a place with decent Wi-Fi and mentions another diner he clocked on the drive. He gives me the location and asks me to meet him there. He's got to make a call, and quick. Translation. He can't babysit me the whole time. Will you be all right? Big girl here, Sam. You do what you have to. I know time is precious. I'll be there as soon as I can. The tiny, greasy spoon has the only open sign still lit up on a stretch of city blocks in Stockton. A green neon sign advertises We Wi-Fi to the right of the entrance. I step inside and a bleary-eyed waitress gives me a tired wave and invites me to sit wherever I please. It's not like the choices are limitless, but I zone in on my partner immediately. Sam Winchester dwarfs a dinette set he's made his headquarters. My soles almost refuse to peel away from the sticky linoleum as I hurry over. I hear his hushed conversation on approach. One hand holds the phone to his ear. The other is busy tapping on his laptop. I don't bother to shake out of my jacket. I scoot into the empty chair across from Sam. He nods at me. He's bent and contorted to fit into what looks like toddler furniture in comparison to his frame. Bent knees press into the tabletop and threaten to lift it right off the floor. Cliff and Harv? Yeah, if you can, Garth. All right, call me back as soon as you can. Thanks. Sam clicks off the phone and slides it next to his computer. May have a lead on some backup, not too far out from Stockton. The same tired waitress, Rachel by her name tag, asks what I'll have. I don't think we'll be long, but I ask for a cup of coffee for here and three pieces of pie to go. Whatever she needs to get rid of will do. Sam's confused look requests clarification. For when we get Dean back. He pushes his mouth up into a forced smile. What have you been researching? I lean into the chair back. My fingers don't want to stay still, so I grip the table's edge. Laura Sullivan. Anything? In her late 20s, I just got a home address. Checking its location. That's as good a place to head to next. Details on her family? He's quick to focus and type out the query. I get a cup of coffee slid in front of me by Rachel, with an update that she can box up a piece of apple, cherry, and pecan. I smile and tell her that'll be grand. Dean can have all the pie when we get him back. I sip at the hot, steaming liquid. At least my fingers can cling to and grip the warm ceramic cup while I wait. Sam's bottom lip juts out as he shakes his head. None that I can tell. No family nearby? No family, period. She didn't come into work because of a family emergency. My teeth click. At least that's what Jerry told Dean. 
while someone was lying. Just like I did earlier. Maybe word about an FBI agent poking around got her nervous? Wait, her apartment. It's not that far from one of the fitness centers one of the Vicks was a member at. His eyes connect with mine. I've definitely got to get over there. He opens a nav app on his phone and types in the address. I nod. Let's go. No, not us. Me. He raises a hand. Not happening, Winner. Dean'd be extremely pissed with me already, getting you to tail a suspect on your own. No way you're coming along for this. I think he'd be more pissed if you went by yourself. His phone buzzes. Sam hurries to answer. Hey, Garth, what do you got for me? His brows quirk up. There's a look of relief as he listens. I owe you, man. I'll give Cliff a call and let him know where to meet. He's silent for some seconds. Yeah, I'll read him the riot act for making us all worry. He can't help but nod even though the person on the other end can't see him. Will do. Sounds like good news. Hope so. Gonna meet a hunter and we'll try the apartment. If we don't find Dean, maybe we find someone who can tell us where he is. Sam, are you sure I can't? I try again. The shake of his head tosses strands of his hair around like he's in a shampoo commercial. You're heading to the bunker straight away. Get there as soon as you can. If you think you're being followed on the way, get yourself somewhere there's a lot of activity. Even if it has to be a bar or a police station. Whatever. And text me when you get there. I smile. You're pretty good at that. His brows do a quick wave up and down. What? Giving orders. He tries hard to smile back. It's laced with worry. I learned from the best. The clock on my dashboard ticks closer to 11 p.m. The drive has been anything but peaceful. My mind can't stop shaking the thought that I'm to blame for all this. That if I hadn't insisted that I'd be helpful on the shakedown for information, that Dean and Sam would be safe and sound back at the bunker. Right now. Going over the next steps. Planning. Getting some shut-eyes so they could continue their job of saving people tomorrow. Instead, I'm the one heading back to the abode of the Men of Letters. Alone. With a key in a box carved with mysterious symbols that will let me into a fortress of magic and artifacts and centuries of knowledge. Alone. I've been on edge, checking mirrors like an anxious new driver. I don't think I was followed out of Stockton. The past 20 minutes has been a solitary drive toward Lebanon. I'm making my way through the woods now, creeping towards my destination. Dean. God, what if... No. I can't go down that road of thought for too long. Or I'll get lost in that feeling of despair I've tried so hard to forget. My ability to focus or function would be unmoored again, like it was all those years ago. This man... I've gotten the chance to really start to get to know him, to be consumed and enthralled by him. God wouldn't, couldn't be so cruel to take that away. Not again. My mind then rationalizes that if, no, when he's found, maybe it's in our collective best interest to call it a draw. It was a fun little detour, but maybe it's easier, safer, if we go back to how things were a week ago. Not for me, for him. I gasp when the woods break open into the clearing near the bunker. My headlights creep over a foreign car parked out front. I break hard, then scramble to grab my phone and call Sam. 
the driver's side door of the hatchback opens and the metallic paint job shimmers. I may not have enough working brain power to call Sam. I weigh the idea to shift into reverse and back out the way I came. But then I see the driver. His bow legs stumble into the glow my Jeep produces. Dean! I call out. My body rushes, pulses with adrenaline. He's on his knees the next second. Somehow I'm already there, my hands and arms propping him up. He leans forward. His forehead pushes against my collarbone. All his weight crashes against me. His shirt feels warm, sticky, and wet. Dean, I mumble. Gonna get you all messed up, Winner. His warm breath stutters out the words against my skin. Do I? My own breath hitches, forces down a sob as I try to assess where he's hurt. Do I need to get you to a hospital? His head shakes. I lost some blood. Need some stitching up. Nothing too serious. Drive wore me out. I passed out. Hurrying out when I saw you got me lightheaded. He chuckles. You get me all swoony. I can't help but laugh at the cheesiness he's mustering up at this moment. It is so very inappropriate and all him. You okay? A cool palm lands on my cheek. I drove back after. Didn't see you or Sammy. Figured I'd come back here and wait. Something switches in him. He's gotten a burst of energy or a clearer head or something. He rocks back on his heels. Half of his face is lit up by the headlights, streaked with dirt and blood. Where's Sam? He was going to Laura Sullivan's apartment, I respond. He's grunting and leaning palms on the ground to rise up. My hands are at his waist when he's halfway to his feet. Alone? He was meeting up with a hunter. His eyes narrow and he sucks in breath. Call him. Now, Winner. I nod. Can you stand on your own? Yeah. I sprint to the jeep and am back to Dean in a flash, calling Sam on speaker. I fit under Dean's armpit like a crutch. He leans on me for some support, but I feel him shift his weight. My hand sways, phone in hand. I try to keep it close to his face. The blue light dances over his features and reveals more of the hell he's been through. We both exhale when Sam picks up on the third ring. Winner? Sammy, Dean sighs. Dean, what the hell? Did you find anything? He ignores Sam's question. At Laura Sullivan's? Not sure. Gotta check a few things out. His voice is more composed when he answers. No, Laura, though. That's because she's in the trunk of my borrowed car. In two pieces. She was a vamp? She was a vamp. She didn't get a chance to do a whole lot of villain monologuing. When I came to, in an abandoned farmhouse, I shimmied out of being hog-tied and then used a shovel, separate her head from her body. Dean gulps for air. He clutches the side of his chest. I debate if I'll be able to help him get inside by myself. I heard her talking to someone on the phone. Plan was for me to be their next blood bag. How many? Were they supposed to meet up there? Where was it? Sam's questions spill out with the speed of a bullet train. Halfcock never works. Get back to the bunker. We can regroup, get more details, figure out what's next. I listen to how measured Dean's words are, 
how easy he shifts to counter and calm his brother, how he's trying to be the reasonable one now. I'm not 100%, Sammy. Someone's got to check out the body. All right, I'll ask Cliff to stick around, Sam suggests. Yeah. Dean looks at me with a smile that hints he's glad it didn't take too much effort to convince Sam. His lids drop all of a sudden, and he loses the balance he's been struggling to maintain. Sam? I squeak out. Yeah. Hurry. All right. Sam ends the call. I grunt at his weight. Dean? Hmm. The response is of one being awoken from a deep sleep. I... I don't know what to do. I release a soft whimper and want to slap myself for my inability to think. It's okay, he mumbles. I've got the key, I manage to remember. Key? To get in the bunker. His head lolls to the other side. I fear he'll lean too far and fall over. I clutch his waist with a tight bear hug, feel something warm and squishy, and realize that was a mistake way too late. Whatever I did turns his body rigid for a second. His eyes pop open. Shit. Sorry. No. No. He clicks his teeth. That's what I need. If I decide to check out on you again, do that. He's on his own two feet now. Let's try to get my lazy ass inside. Chapter 14 Dean did not make it easy for me. We'd stopped and started a half a dozen times, practically tripped over each other's feet and the concrete steps to the bunker entrance. We grunted and cussed our way down the trellis staircase once inside and into the war room, then made it as far as the library. I toppled him into one of the cushy leather chairs. I was then given directions on where to look for first aid supplies. They stashed them in every room of the bunker, apparently. Good call on their part. Always prepared. With the kit and a roll of paper towels in hand, I passed the well-stocked minibar in one of the seating areas and grabbed a bottle of whiskey, too. Always prepared. I dropped the supplies and bottle by the dress shoes he's wearing. They're dusty, scuffed, and bereft of any shine their owner had buffed into them. Dean's eyes blink with a dopey, trippy sluggishness. A clap of my hands in front of his face brings him back to the present situation. Dean, can you sit up? Need to see what we're dealing with here. Get the shirt off. Sam will be here soon. His voice is deep and gritty. You don't have to play Florence Nightingale. He hums out a grunt of pain. Unless it ends with you giving me a sponge bath. Always with the jokes. I mumble and place my hands on the back of his shoulders. Gentle pressure coaxes him into a straight stance on the chair. Who was joking? I shake my head, then pick up the bottle and twist off the cap. I press the rim to his eager and waiting lips. He chugs down a few healthy gulps. Ah. I can't tell if the soft roar is from pain or satisfaction but I know the liquor should help with some of the discomfort soon. I kneel by his leg, 
My fingers flip the kit open and do a quick rummage through the contents. Should be some prescription painkillers in there. His own fingers are starting to undo the buttons of what was once a pristine, white, pressed collared shirt. It's now a freakish tie-dye of dirt brown and crimson red. A shake of the pill bottle I've found indicates his assumption is correct. I gander at the patient's name on the label. Wayne Bruce? I ask. He can't bother to comment, only gestures with an open palm of his need. He must catch my hesitant reaction because he provides a reminder. Gonna need it for what's gotta be done. I struggle with the childproof cap for longer than I'd like, but success comes eventually. He swallows them dry, then grabs the whiskey and takes another pull. Dean, I start. The bottle clinks on the floor. There's an attempt on his own to remove his shirt. A little help? He huffs. I'm back on my feet to assist with one sleeve and make my way around to his right side to peel him out of the other like a banana. The library lights display the task before me in full detail. I swallow. My stomach gets queasy. For the first time, and I hope the only time, I wish I didn't see all of Dean Winchester. There's patches of blood. Some spots are drier than others. Those were the ones that had stuck the shirt fabric to his skin. There's shiny streaks here and there. Fresher. I worry he may be bleeding in lots of places. The metallic tinge of blood meets my nose and hits the taste buds on my tongue when I lick my lips. It's not all mine, Winner. He tries to ease my worry. It got pretty messy when I had to drag her out to the car and stuff her in the trunk. I wrap a wad of paper towels around my hand to cover it like an oven mitt. I start to press and wipe over his chest. Trepid strokes try to reveal any wounds that need attention. Let me know if I hurt you. Can't do any worse than what I tend to do to myself. His head tilts and stares up at me. That pretty face is so dirty and worn out. This isn't going to get the job done. Mom mode kicks in. I need to get some water and towels. He opens his mouth to protest. I straighten up and point at him. Stay put. I'll be right back. Yes, ma'am. He grumbles. My right back took longer than I hoped. I get turned around and spin on my heels like a very uncoordinated spinning top looking for the kitchen. I find it eventually pushing through the adrenaline that's making my normal, steady focus, anything but that. As I'm filling a pot with hot water and searching for a couple clean dish towels, there's a clang and slam. The sound echoes through the bunker. I think it may be the entrance. I then realize I didn't lock the damn door in my haste and under Dean's leaning weight. Shit. But then, I hear Sam's voice. Dean? I sigh in relief. When I return to the library, Sam is beside his brother inspecting the damage. Another man, who must be Cliff, takes in the scene from a nearby seat. The discussion is all hunter business. Not thinking it's much in the way of a nest, how Sam was explaining. Cliff speaks with a heavy southern twang. Yeah. Dean shifts in his seat. He looks like he's trying to dart from under Sam's gaze. Might depend on the appetite and control they've got not to suck a tree dry. Maybe three, at the most. He 
is looking wobblier as he continues his duck and weave. I want to say something and march over, tell him to sit still, but I bite my tongue and let the hunters continue to think out loud. Water sloshes under the lid of the stockpot I grip tight by the handles. Dish towels are slung over a forearm like a server at a fancy restaurant. They could be feeding on other animals. Sam stands up and shakes his head at his brother. He looks as exasperated as I feel watching Dean. I gotta stitch you up. Dean notices me first. Winner, come on in and join the festivities. My eyes pop open when I see him shoot up out of his seat with a grandiose wave. There's no way his body should be able to do that right now. Between the alcohol and the pills, both will have an effect at this point. I'm correct. He falls forward, head leading the way like a domino toppling. Sam's got him, with his biceps securely latched under armpits. Ouch. He mumbles into Sam's suit jacket. Sam looks at me, then points to the whiskey bottle on the floor. Pills, too? He huffs out with a knowing smile. I nod. When I take a harder look at the bottle, something tells me Dean helped himself to more while I was gone. I shift in my stance. The weight of the heavy pot starts to take its toll. Cliff rises. Nice to meet you, ma'am. His scruffy beard makes it hard to figure out his age. He latches onto the baseball cap rim and tips his head. I'll take care of getting the body out of the trunk. Where you want her? Tarp's in one of the cabinets back where we came, Sam advises. You can leave her in the war room until I'm done with Mr. Party Animal here. Dean raises a hand and points upward to the stairwell. His cheek presses into Sam's lapel. Phone. Don't forget the phone. What's that, Winchester? Cliff cocks his ear in Dean's direction. I broke a phone in the fight. Thought one of you geniuses might be able to hack it or some shit. In the trunk. He waves. On it. Cliff's lanky frame sprints out of sight. Dean. Sam smacks the back of his brother's head. Huh? I'm not carrying you, dude. Either we stitch you up here or you walk yourself to your room. Dean scoffs. Fine. Here. Sam nods over his brother's head to me. Over on the table. He takes his brother and lifts him like a ragdoll to sit on the dark wood's edge. Dean slumps forward a bit, then wakes himself up to throw his head back and cuss at the pain. I drop the pot between Sam and Dean on a nearby chair and go to collect the supplies off the floor. When I've placed things within easy reach, Sam's already getting ready to work. He shuffles out of his suit jacket and rolls up the sleeves of the starched white shirt well past his elbows. He uses a damp towel and uncovers the gash on his brother's side. By the look on Sam's face, there's reason for concern. The slice is long, maybe four inches. A flap of skin peels back to reveal something meaty, but it doesn't appear to be gushing or leaking blood as my brain had expected. As a wife, I dealt with a fussy husband who was the biggest baby when he got the flu, yet wouldn't hesitate to head into a burning building. There were many days when he'd come home a little beaten up, but always squeaky clean after a shower at the firehouse. As a mom, I've dealt with scraped knees, the usual bumps and bruises, wisdom teeth extraction, even a broken arm with Ricky. I'd wipe away tears and hum him to sleep more times than I can remember. 
Looking at Dean Winchester, I'm not sure where to even begin in the moment. I'm also not sure if I can stand by and witness Sam thread a needle through his skin. Skin my fingers traced over this morning. I swallow the lump in my throat and dunk a towel in the warm water. It's wrung nice and tight. I open it up to try and do something with that face, starting at the forehead. I wipe and dunk. Wipe and dunk again. I want to see the skin I stared at earlier that evening. Those ridges and furrows that emphasized everything that came out of his mouth. I want to get every bit of blood and dirt out of those tiny caverns of experience and thought and worry. I want to kiss that skin again, bathe it in the warmth of my breath, whisper to him that he'll be fine. I want. Dean's woozy smile catches me off guard after I've wiped away the mess from his mouth and chin. I'm guessing winter was pretty great tonight, huh, Sammy? Sam looks up at his brother from his now-seated position. He's been busy threading a curved needle that looks like a fishhook. She wasn't bad. Wouldn't mind having her as a partner. Maybe I can trade up. He smirks and passes Dean the whiskey bottle. You want to do the honors or should I? Dean's smile drops. He grabs the bottle by the neck. You'll get way too much enjoyment. Breath held, Dean squints his eyes and spills the liquor over the wound to prepare. He groans on the exhale. He's about to drink again, but I put my hand over the top. He groans and places it on the table. The sulky expression reminds me of Ricky being sent to his room after dinner without dessert. It's when I've gotten to Dean's neck and swipe that I see the bite marks. I tap Sam on the shoulder. His eyes widen when he sees it too. Dean? He asks. What? He grumbles. Do you remember getting bit? Dean tilts his head. Ah, yeah. He runs fingers over the spot and hisses. Did you? No, Sammy. She didn't make me feed. Just wanted a taste, I guess. If she'd ripped into my jugular, I'd have gone to waste real quick. I sigh louder than intended and attempt to cover it up with a fact I recall. Dead man's blood is fatal to vampires? You're doing very well with your studies. He smiles in between more cussing as Sam pulls the skin taut on his side. A little warning would be nice. I think you're trolling for sympathy since we have an audience. Sam purses his lips. Dean corkscrews his lips at that. Just shut up and stitch.